The second reading is from Exodus 3, 10 to 12, 4, 10 to 17. You'll notice in the bulletin that the words are not quite correct. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seen or blind? It is, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, What of your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he can speak fluently. Even now he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He will serve as a mouth for you, and you will serve as God for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as I shared at the beginning last week, you've probably heard this term neurodiversity sometime, whether that's here at church, whether that's on social media, out in the world, whatever. And, I, and so during these five Sundays in Lent, we're going to talk more about what neurodiversity is and, and, and what it has to do with God and creation. This neurodiversity is not, the diversity that we experience, it's not just in our bodies, but we're also diverse in our brains and our personalities too. But neurodiversity is not just about diagnoses, that you have this diagnosis or that diagnosis. It's about how each of us have different challenges and wonderful abilities that are very different than one another. Sometimes we associate things like neurodiversity or, or you know, some of the things that I talked about last week, like autism and dyslexia and ADHD. We associate these things with disability. But what we see when, in, in the Bible and then we see the way that God works in people is that these things are not about disability, but about wonderful ability. That even though we are different and even though we all experience our own challenges, God gives us amazing and wonderful abilities, even though we struggle in some areas. It's a gift that God made us different even though sometimes it makes us hard to connect with one another or feel like we fit in. And when we read the Bible, we tend to think of all the heroes of faith as these perfect, saintly people that are all alike. And they're hard to relate to. But all of those people in the Bible, they're all different, and they're all diverse themselves. And the one that I want to talk about today is Moses. Because I think the image that we have in our minds for Moses is probably not actually very biblical. 
I don't know about you, but I remember when I was a kid growing up and watching that 1956 movie, The Ten Commandments, with Charlton Heston, right? And Moses has this like loud, boisterous, booming voice. He's very commanding. He's very much in charge. It's this epic movie. And Moses is the main character who drives it forward. Or maybe if you haven't seen that one, maybe you've seen the, the DreamWorks animated version, The Prince of Egypt, of this story, where Moses is confident and he's aggressive and, and, and always challenging um, his, his, his stepbrother. And he's very charismatic. Those tend to be the kind of pictures we have of Moses in our mind, but the Moses that we experience in the Bible is actually very, very different. For first of all, Moses has anger issues. Right? The whole reason he flees Egypt is because in a fit of rage, he kills a taskmaster who's beating a Hebrew slave. Now, not that that was okay, but neither is really murder. And Moses, he hopes that nobody notices. He tries to cover it up. And he only has to face this fact because somebody else notices. Moses is different than the ones that we, we experience or think of in the movies. He, he's one who runs away, who tries to hide from his past, both the, like, Pharaoh's stepson kind of guy, but also the murdering type. Moses is ashamed of who he is, and so he goes and lives out in the mountains tending sheep, because then he doesn't have to be around anybody. The people who are there really don't even know much about his past. Next, Moses is terrible at public speaking, and that's by his own admission. He says, I am slow to speak, God. Send someone else. And then, when we get to the whole Exodus part, and they're tromping through the desert, Moses complains a lot. He is a whiner. Right? This is not the picture of Moses that we have in our head, but this is what the real Moses is like. When he is confronted by that burning bush, by this miraculous event, by God speaking in this booming voice, he says, please send somebody else. And it's not because Moses is unfaithful. It's not because he's rude or disrespectful of God. He just doesn't think much of himself. I mean, the very first thing he says to God is, suppose no one listens to me. He says to God, I'm nobody. These are the things that he actually says in, in my own words, right? He says, I don't really know you well enough, God. I don't know your name, but that was his way of saying, I don't really know you. Because remember, Moses was raised in the palace. He wasn't raised with the Hebrew people. He didn't go to Hebrew school. Then he says, no one is going to believe me, even if I do get it figured out, even if I do have a great presentation, no one's going to believe me. And then he comes with the poor speaker part. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. It's not the Moses we see in our heads and in, in the movies. He's afraid how people are going to receive him. He's afraid that he's a hypocrite and a murderer. 
He's afraid that he's going to be rejected, not just by Pharaoh, but by his own people, the ones that he's supposed to go and save. He's never really even fit in with them before. Because remember, the last thing those Hebrews, the Hebrew person says to Moses before he runs away is, are you going to murder me too? He doesn't fit in. Maybe you felt like this before, that you don't fit in. Maybe you've been asked something that you don't feel like you're capable of, that you're not the right person to do, whether that's taking a lead on a project, speaking up for yourself or for others, dealing with a health condition, experiencing people that don't seem to care what you have to say, who don't want your help. But you're not alone. You are Moses, and Moses is you. He's not just a regular, saintly, biblical guy asked to do something wonderful. He's a broken guy. We're all broken in our own ways. We're all neurodiverse and broken-diverse. For Moses, everybody else was a better choice than him. He was a runner. He was angry. He hates talking in front of people. And he was ashamed not just of what he did, but of who he was as if that wasn't good enough in the eyes of God. And there are times when we all feel like this. But this is what God's response is. When Moses says that I'm nobody, God says, well, I'll go with you and I'm somebody and I'll vouch for you. When he says, I don't know you very well, God, God tells him who he is. When Moses says, people aren't going to believe me and trust me, God says, you know what? We've got it taken care of. We'll do this magic thing with your staff and, and with your like, hand and like wither it and then heal it. It's really weird. But God works through him. When Moses says, I'm a really bad speaker. I hate talking in front of people. God says, you know what? I'll give you the words. And better yet, your brother can help you. Aaron was good at speaking. Moses was not. And so God gave him some people to support him. Can you imagine going up to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's like, what do you want? And you turn to your brother and be like, right? Moses was insecure, and yet God was working. None of us are up for half the things that we do in life, but that doesn't mean there's no hope. We can use the resources that God gives us, especially the people around us. Moses, he was surrounded by people. Aaron, his brother who helped him do the talking. Miriam, his sister, who helped him when he was floating down that river as a babe in a basket. Miriam, who later on in the desert, when everybody's starting to grumble and complain and have a hard time and get scared, she starts singing, and they all start singing with her and dancing and get hopeful again. Joshua, his apprentice. Zipporah, his wife. Moses is surrounded by people to help him. Sometimes in life we think we have to do it all alone, and I'm here to say that that's a trash myth that the world teaches us. Even presidents have speechwriters. Even Martin Luther King Jr. traveled with an entourage. What people has God placed around you to help you where you struggle? 
God does not call perfect people to do perfect things. You know, there was a, a gentleman a number of decades ago who was cut from his high school basketball team. He went home and locked himself in his room and cried. And yet Michael Jordan is one of the best, most recognized basketball players of all time. He was utterly defeated and incapable. Everybody wanted somebody but him, and yet God still managed to work through him. You know, in the last century, there's this guy who failed math class. They suspect he was actually dyslexic, and he ran from his country just the way Moses did, and yet Albert Einstein did amazing and wonderful things that the rest of us can't even comprehend. There's a teacher who told a student that they were too stupid to learn anything. Not very good teaching moment. But that he should go into a field where he might succeed by virtue as of his pleasant personality. And that was Thomas Edison, the inventor. You know, we think we know people, and, and our society teaches us that we have to judge success by certain standards, that the way to get ahead is by being a certain way. And God proves all those things wrong. There's a young woman who was dismissed from drama school because she was too shy to put her best foot forward. She wasn't good in front of people, and yet Lucille Ball ended up becoming like an amazing, wonderful actress. There's a young man who failed twice in business, had a nervous breakdown, was defeated in eight elections, and yet Abraham Lincoln became president and a liberator. There was a man who escaped punishment for murder, who was a loner, an introvert who hated public speaking, and yet God helped Moses stand up to bullies and liberated a nation. Even those that we least expect, even those that we might write off, even when that's us ourselves and we want to go like, in, like Michael Jordan in our room and cry because nobody wants us, God can still do big things through us. This isn't just about big things, also small things. You are capable of doing so many more things than you believe, despite your limitations. Whether you think there are times that you can't speak up, that it's not right to say something, that you're not smart enough or good enough or too shy or have some diagnosis, whether it's mental or emotional or physical, you are in good company. You are in the company of Moses. Whether it is big or small, you have skills, and you might just be where others are not looking. And yet God will bring those gifts out and give you the supports that you need along the way. God always calls the right people, the real people. It doesn't mean that it's perfect and easy. Things go pretty much the way Moses expects. When he goes to Pharaoh and says all the things that he has to say, Pharaoh says, what? Right? There got to be these ten plagues and things like that. He, Moses was mocked and doubted by Pharaoh. And you know what? The Hebrew people hated Moses too. 
there is this point where Moses is advocating for them, and Pharaoh says, you know what? I'm going to make it even harder for them. Now not only do they need to make bricks, but we're not even going to give them the straw to make those bricks. And the people were furious with Moses, the one who is sent to liberate them. Moses makes mistakes. He smacks the ground in frustration when there's no water in the desert. When people complain to Moses that they're hungry or thirsty or something, whatever it is, he goes to God and complains and whines to God. And he even tells God over and over, you, took, you made the wrong choice in choosing me. And yet we know how this story ends. That God uses Moses just the way that he is. And we think he's great. We made movies about him. God knew what God was doing. And God knows what God's doing with you too. The people who are, that we have stories about in the Bible, the ones that were worth writing about, were not the ones that started out perfect and saintly. It's not because they had the best resume, but because these insecure, ashamed people stepped out in faith with the support of God. So may you know that when you are confronted with the opportunity to make a difference, that you can trust God. You don't have to say, send somebody else, because I am not enough. Trust that God knows what God is doing, no matter what limitations you think you have that rule you out. Every single one of you can do more than you can believe, because you have the very same God behind you that was behind Moses. Thanks be to God.